Well, welcome to Austin Chapel's Sunday morning gathering. Austin Chapel, we are all about God's glory. And that means personally in our own lives and the way we speak, the way we act, the way we treat others, the way we spend our money, the way we do all of the things that we do during, during the week. We want to just give glory to God personally. And then collectively as a church, we give glory to God in two major ways, and that's in Christ-centered community, right? We have four community groups throughout the city. We come together on Sundays, and we have community, and where we can be real, honest, open with each other, and so we give glory to God together as we come together, not just as friends, but as those who are truly um, family in Christ, and we recognize that we have our Father in heaven, and that makes us family, and so we have Christ-centered community glory to God. And then secondly, we want to make disciples in our church and then those who are also far from God who maybe aren't ready to come to church. We're out there. We're talking to people. We're, we're um, inviting them to know Jesus and to experience a life-changing reality of the gospel. And so we give glory to God as a church by making disciples. And so that's what our vision of our church is. I had said a while ago that we're going to every week just re-go over um, why we're doing what we're doing. So that we remember each week, like, why are we doing this? Why do we set up speakers? Why do we set up chairs? Why do we do the things we do? Well, we want to give glory to God, and then collectively we do that in two ways, by Christ-centered community and by making disciples. Um, we are in our vision series for the new year, um, the Lord's Prayer. Um, before we dive into that, I want to really share a cool story with you guys that has nothing to do with my message, so I'm going to share it first before we dive into things, okay? So... Um, I just want to give glory to God in this. This is really awesome. So two weeks ago or so, I go to this one gas station pretty often that's near my house. And I, I was there, and uh, this one gas station attendant, I think he was new because I'd never seen him before, um, buying an energy drink, as I often do in the mornings. It's a bad habit. All right, I've got to return to that. Uh, <laughs> buy an energy drink, say, how you doing? The guy responds, not good. I have chronic back pain, which is... Uh, Random that someone randomly would just tell you that, but he was being honest, which I love. So I said, okay, man, well, I can pray for you. I'll be praying for you, but I also want to invite you to our church, and if you ever want to come, we'll lay hands on you and pray for you. Unfortunately, he works most Sunday mornings. Anyways, this morning I was in there. It's the first time I'd seen him in a couple weeks. I said, hey, how you doing? I was getting an energy drink. I know. Sorry. <laughs> hey, setting up early in the morning, you need a Red Bull. Uh, or coffee, whatever. Uh, so I, I'm like, how you doing, man? How are you feeling? And he's like, uh, he recognized me. He's like, actually, a lot better. He's like, just a lot better. And I had prayed for him. He hadn't come to church. But I was like, that's amazing. God heals. Glory to God, right? Like, he was honest in the moment, and I believe God healed him. And um, at least he knows I prayed for him. And so I challenge you guys, you never know what's going to happen. Just really ask people how they're doing. And well, most people are going to be like, good, and then just give you your energy drink. But <laughs> if people are honest, you know, just open up about, I can pray for you. God is there for you. He wants to heal you. He loves you. So, let's dive into the Lord's Prayer. As we've been doing each week, um, we're going to stand together and we're going to read the Lord's Prayer together. So if you want to stand with me, the verses will be on the screen. You guys ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you have done, Lord. As I think back on this last year, Lord, I can think of so many amazing moments that you've worked in my life, that you've worked in um, people's lives here in our church, and, and then all the ministry we've seen happen throughout this city as people have been reaching out, Lord. I just constantly am reminded by you, by your spirit, that you are working and you are doing real things in the city. You are changing lives in the city, Lord, and I'm so glad that we get to participate in that as a church plant, as as believers, as followers of you, Lord. We get to participate in the ministry that you're doing. We get to jump on the gospel train and, and see you work and move. God, thank you for all you're doing, Lord. As we are looking to this new year, Lord, we come and we just want to look at this prayer and learn to pray, learn to view our lives differently, learn to view things the way that your son did, um, the way that he would pray and view his own life, God. So help us as we are in this next part, um, Lord, as we're, we're looking at, forgiveness. God, um, I, I pray that you would all, that we would all learn something, that you would teach all of our hearts um, how to forgive like you forgive us. Um, Lord, we, we need forgiveness, but we also need to forgive those who have harmed us, who have hurt us. Um, Lord, so I pray that the Spirit would do a work far beyond um, my words, far beyond what I can teach. Your Spirit can move in people's hearts today, and I pray that we would be open to that. In Jesus' name, I pray. Well, church, we come to today's text in the Lord prayer, Lord's Prayer, and it's, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is something that we all generally understand, right? If I were to say the word forgiveness, you would understand what that word means. Um, if you were to say the word to um, really anyone here in Austin, you would say, hey, the word Forgiveness, what does it mean? And they would be able to tell you, um, to some extent, what that means and maybe even give you an example from their own life of people they've forgiven or um, maybe people who had forgiven them. Forgiveness is generally understood throughout the world that someone can do something wrong to somebody else and that person can either hold on to it and keep anger with them, keep a grudge with them, or they can let it go and forgive the person. And so we come to this text here, and we're talking about forgiveness. And he says, forgive us our debts. Some translations would say sins. Some would say transgressions. Others would say trespasses. Um, this translation says debts. The idea here is not financial stuff. We're not talking about debt and how we need to all go seek to get rid of our credit card debt or ask God to do that. That's not what he's talking about here. God is really saying here to teach us to forgive others of their sins, of their trespasses, as he has forgiven us of our sins and our trespasses. Forgiveness is a simple topic when you think about it. Like if I was like, hey, I'm preaching on forgiveness, you'd be like, okay, I've heard that message before. Um, but at the same time, forgiveness is a very sensitive to topic, isn't it? Because there are people, maybe in this room, I don't know everybody's past, there may have been people who have hurt you deeply. And so forgiveness, though it's a simple topic, does not mean it's an easy topic for everyone in this room. And I recognize that. Forgiveness can be extremely difficult, extremely painful. And when we talk about forgiving others as God forgives us, for some, that is not an easy task 
For others, we're like, oh, yeah, just forgive. It's easy. But maybe you haven't been hurt the way that others have. But at the same time, Jesus doesn't pull any punches when he talks about forgiveness. I mean, he, we're going to go over a lot of scripture today. In Christ and in the apostles, as they write about forgiveness, they do not hold back. They don't pull any punches. And in fact, they say things in, a, honestly, a more serious tone than I personally would want to say it. And so we're going to look at a lot of scripture today, and we're going to really unpack this idea of forgiveness. First off, I want us to talk about something here, and that is that God has forgiven us. If you look here, there's two parts. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The first part is God forgiving us. So we're coming in the Lord's Prayer to the Father, and we're praying for forgiveness. And this is a kind of a daily idea here, that you're coming to him daily and asking for forgiveness for your sins, for your trespasses, for your transgressions, for your wrongdoing. Daily asking him for forgiveness. And you would say, well, I thought Jesus forgave me on the cross when I accepted the gospel, so why do I need to keep asking for forgiveness? It's a good question isn't it? I thought I was cleared, right? I thought I was all good. I thought that's what the cross was about. Why do I need to daily pray to the Father for forgiveness? I heard it put this way, and that there's two types of forgiveness. There's judicial forgiveness and relational forgiveness. Judicial forgiveness is what happened when you accepted the gospel. When you accepted that life-changing reality that Jesus laid his life down for you to offer you forgiveness and grace, mercy, love, all of it. He offers it freely to you and you accept it. You are cleared. All of your sins are washed away. And judicially, God throws down his gavel and says, you're justified. That means justified, never sinned. That's the idea here. It's an easy way to remember it. Just as if I had never sinned. That's what happens when you believe in the gospel. God nailed your sins to the cross and said you are justified. You are forgiven. It is cleared. The punishment is gone. I will remember it no more. But here's the thing. God is God. So think for a second. If you were to commit a crime, what happens when you commit a crime? You leave DNA evidence. You leave fingerprints. Maybe there was a camera that saw it. Maybe there was eyewitnesses. And so you commit a crime, and then what happens is um, those who are going to prosecute you start building a case against you, don't they? They start building a case. So they're like, well, we've got your DNA there. We've got your fingerprints. Hey, this person said they saw you leaving that place. This person said they saw you leave or entering that place. Uh, by the way, we have video footage. Oh, we had an audio recording somehow. Like, now they start building a case, and you come to court, and they, they have their files and their evidence, and they bring it forward, and they say, you're guilty. But think about God, who knows all, sees all, and he sees everything you've done, every moment of your life. And then not just what you've done. He saw your intentions. He saw your motives. He saw your heart. Even your good works that you were doing, he's like, yeah, but you were doing that for you. Like, you can't come to the case and say, or come to the judge and be like, no, let me tell you what really happened. That doesn't work with God. Because he knows all, he sees all. 
And so when you think of a case file, when you think about evidence stacking up, I mean, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> like, when it comes to him as being the judge, like, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? He has damning evidence of your sin, of your trespasses, of your debts. And so when we believe in the gospel, he says the price has been paid by Jesus Christ. And you're forgiven. It's cleared. It's wiped away. It's as though you had never done it. He wipes it away. That is amazing. That is the judicial forgiveness that God offers through the cross. But then secondly, we have relational forgiveness. You see, you're cleared of your sins. But when you're in relationship with him as a father, which is what this prayer is all about, in a relationship, you can still hurt somebody. Right? How many of you are perfect? Tyler's going to raise his hand. (laughs) How many of you are perfect? None of us. I'm not perfect. And I'm in relationship with my heavenly father. And I I still sin. Sometimes I, I do things I shouldn't do. I have... Um, intentions that are wrong, my heart could be wrong. And so that hurts my father's feelings. Like God is offended by my sin. It says that our sin can grieve the Holy Spirit. So I'm hurting our relationship. And so I need to go to him and I need to apologize and ask for forgiveness in relationship with him. And that's the idea here. We're, we're daily going to him and asking for forgiveness, relational forgiveness. We're not re-getting saved every day, because that happened once and for all on the cross and when you believed. But you're going to him and you're repairing the relationship by asking for forgiveness, and God always forgives. He always forgives. And so we have this relational forgiveness that needs to happen in our life. And the thing is, you do need to be forgiven. You're not good. And that's the first thing you have to understand is that you need forgiveness. We call it depravity. Man is depraved in sin. He's depraved in nature. So you and I are naturally inclined to sin. We naturally go towards sin. And maybe you're doing a little better than you were last month, but you're still a sinner. And God views sin is punishable by death. Now think for a moment. I want to tell you guys just kind of an example here. I'm out to coffee with, let's just pick on Tyler again. Okay, so Tyler and I go to coffee, go get coffee, and uh, we're in line. And I'm going to give you two scenarios here. We're in line. Tyler walks up to um, the uh, barista and says, hey, I'd like a, what's a girly drink? like A frappuccino, Okay. Tyler gets a Frappuccino, and they're like, okay, it's like $18, Tyler. (laughs) Okay, $6, Tyler. And Tyler goes, oh, no, I only have $4. And I go, hey, Tyler, okay, uh, here's two bucks. I'll cover the rest. See, Tyler came up short. And a lot of times we talk about forgiveness, we talk about God's grace, and we talk about us coming up short. So we're like, well, I needed $6 to go to heaven, but I only had 4 and Jesus gave me the extra 2 And so we think of that, and it's like, okay, so like we're good people, but we're not good enough, and so 
we need a little grace to help us get there. But I don't think that is really what's going on spiritually. Because we're depraved in nature. It's not that you were so good, but you just came up a little short. For most of us, for all of us, we're depraved in nature. You've done some pretty awful things. In fact, God says all of your sin is disgusting, and he hates it, and he says that you are deserving of hell for it. So it's not like you just came up a little short. It's more like the second scenario, which is Tyler and I walk into the coffee shop, and we're standing in line, and Tyler orders his frappuccino and goes, I don't have any money, and runs out. Okay. So in the first scenario, what happens is a friend pays the extra $2 and covers his debts. In the second scenario, Tyler runs out, and they call the cops. And now here's the problem. He owes $6, but he also owes a moral debt. That means he needs to be punished. He does, he, now it's not just about the $6. It's the fact that he committed a crime, and there should be a punishment that goes with it. You see... We come short in our goodness, but we also are deserving of a punishment for all of our evil. And so when we think about God's grace and forgiveness, we need to understand that it's not just about us coming a little short. It's about the fact that there is penalties that should be paid. There is, there is a punishment for what you've done that Jesus covered. He, he gives you the six bucks, but he also took the punishment on the cross. He paid the price and took the punishment. And that's powerful. And a lot of times when we're thinking about forgiveness, when we think about forgiving others, we so easily forget how God forgave us. We so easily forget the fact that we were sinners and yet Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, he died for us, offering his own life giving us. It wasn't when you were at your best. He died for you at your worst. So we can easily forget just how amazing his forgiveness is for us. And so when somebody does something pretty bad, we think, well, hey, I, I never did anything like that. So I can't forgive you. God is telling us to forgive others just as he forgives. Now, we cannot judicially forgive them. That's only God. Only God can do that. Like, I can't say to Tyler, hey, Tyler, your sins are, are forgiven. They're gone. I have the power to just wipe away all your sins. I don't have that power. I can tell Tyler that God has that power, but I don't have that power to forgive, judicially forgive all of Tyler's sins. But I can forgive Tyler if he wrongs me. You see what I'm saying? There's a part that only God can do, but the rest of it, we must forgive others as he forgives us. In relationship, we must forgive others. And God doesn't pull any punches here. When we look at others and say they're unforgivable, you're forgetting that you were forgiven. And you didn't have to pay anything for it. It was a free gift. You're forgetting that you were forgiven. So how dare we say that they're unforgivable? Jesus puts it really well in Matthew 18. He tells this parable. In Matthew 18, 23, he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, 
One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, and his wife and his children and all that he had, and the payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Which is impossible, because 10,000 talents, we're talking about somewhere in the billions range in today's um, economy. Today, we would be talking about billions with interest. You would never be able to pay it. So he's lying. He's falling on his knees here and says, I'll pay everything, but he knows he can't. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. We're talking a few thousand bucks. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. And he could have. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had the mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Is that an easy thing here? Like what Jesus says here, I don't want us to take it lightly. He says, so also... My heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. He doesn't pull any punches. What's Jesus teaching us here? He's saying, God forgave you a debt that you could never pay off. He forgave your sins and you had no way to earn it. It was an impossible debt to pay. And he forgave you. So when you look at others, and they've harmed you, you must, no option here, you must forgive them. The Bible leaves no room for the believer to have an unforgiving heart. I cannot find any scripture. Like, if I just wanted to preach nice things to you, y'all can go to a church. Like, you know what I'm another church, because that's not going to happen here. We look at the word of God, and we teach it the way it says. And, I, and it's easy for us to go, well, you know what Jesus is really saying is, you know, anytime you hear that, you probably just need to leave the church, because anytime I'm going to say, well, he's really trying to say, means that I'm dumbing it down, I'm making it easier, and that's not good. We have to take the word for what it says, even when it's not easy, even when we think we disagree, even when we're like, I don't know, that doesn't sound good to my feelings right now. You don't understand how bad they were, and Jesus says, no, you have no excuse. You must forgive. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, you must forgive. No option. And I would put it simply, forgiven people forgive people. And when we won't forgive people, something's going on in our heart where we think that we're better. We think that, yeah, like, I, God forgave me, but trust me, I'm not as bad as them. There's a lot of arrogance going on there. 
we're not realizing the scope of which we are truly sinners forgiven by grace. The moment we forget that we were dead in our sins, that you were not good, the moment we forget that, it's easy for us to go, yeah, but they're worse, so I don't have to forgive them. No, God forgave you. He forgave you. And he paid the penalty. He paid the price and he took the penalty. He died on the cross on your behalf, clothed with your sin the worst you've ever done. He took it, he bore it, and he forgave it. And he expects those who are forgiven and have experienced the life-changing reality of God's love, his grace, and his mercy to then go out and do the same to those that harm us. You know, I think of different stories of amazing and uh, this one came to mind, so I just read up on it a little bit. There was the shooting in Charleston um, by Dylan Roof. Who, he's, in, he's been in the news again recently because he's receiving the death penalty. Um, in June 17th of 2015, Dylan Roof went into a very famous and, and historical black church that had been around for 200 years a Bible study a week. Um, a day of the week he went in and went in for a Bible study and he participated in the Bible study. He participated in conversation. He talked to the 13 people that were gathered. He opened up. He talked. They all shared. And when it came time to pray, he pulled a gun and eight clips of ammunition and fired them all. Uh, two survived by pretending to be dead. And then he left one alive saying, I'm going to leave you alive so that you can tell others what happened because I'm going to shoot myself. But as he went to go shoot himself, he pulled the trigger and realized he was out of ammunition. In response to what he had done, some of the family members of those who had been killed spoke to Dylan and said, I will never be able to hold her again but I forgive you. And have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But God forgives you, and I forgive you. I mean, when you think about forgiveness, when you think about forgiving people who seem unforgivable, Dylan Roof would be up on that list, wouldn't he? If your family members were killed by a racially stirred up, man who decided that you were lesser than, your family was lesser than him and needed to be killed? How difficult would it be to say those words? You hurt me, but I forgive you. God forgives you and I forgive you. It's powerful. How are they able to do that? Well, I believe that these men and women, these family members, believed what the Bible taught. And they knew that they too were in need of forgiveness. They knew that they too were sinners. They knew that they needed God's forgiveness and so does he. And so they practiced what they preached and they forgave him. That's not an easy thing to do. 
But maybe these are some of the scriptures that came to mind when they were struggling to forgive him. Matthew 6, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Colossians 3.13, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must, must forgive. Ephesians 4.31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. 2 Corinthians 2.5, Now if anyone has caused pain, if anyone has caused pain, how much pain? Any kind of pain. He has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm um, your love for him. Paul says here that, yeah, I care about the fact that he might have excess of sorrow, so you need to forgive him. That's insane. Matthew 5, 23, so if you are offering your gift at an altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come off your gift. The Bible is all about reconciliation, forgiveness. Luke 6, 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. John 8, 7, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is out without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. This is when they brought this woman who was caught in adultery, who was deserving by their laws of death, of stoning. And so they tested Jesus and they threw this woman caught in adultery in front of him. And they said, What are you going to do? Should we stone her? Are you going to help us stone her, Jesus? And Jesus starts writing the ground. We don't know what he writes, but then he says to them, you who is without sin cast the first stone. It's easier to judge others' sin than to remember our own. And when, and this is Luke 23, and when they came to the place that is called the school, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Were they just mindlessly doing this? No, they, they knew to some extent that they were killing this man. They were willingly and consciously participating in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, here, spiritually, they don't know what they're participating in. So he's like, Father, just forgive them as he's hanging on a cross, and they're spitting, and they're trading his clothes, and they're, they're laughing at him and mocking him, and they stab him with a spear. He says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know what's amazing is that those who followed Christ in Acts started saying the same things when they were being martyred. In Acts 7, Stephen is um, being stoned. And as they were stoning him, as they were stoning him, this isn't like right before they stoned him. This is as you're being pelted with large stones. He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. You see, if we believe what the Bible teaches, if we understand that we've been forgiven, we have to then forgive others. Which I know, like, I know in this room, there have been people who have hurt you. I don't know to what extent with everyone. But what I do know is if you understand God's forgiveness, that he forgave you, he expects you to forgive others. Now, if you're in a dangerous situation with someone, it doesn't mean that you keep being around them. And it doesn't mean that there aren't consequences to people's actions. And sometimes, because of their continual unrepentance, there may not be a moment for reconciliation, but on your side, you can still forgive. And forgiveness is a lot easier when we think they're actually going to change. Forgiveness is a lot easier when they repent and make a change and, and they are asking for forgiveness, but forgiveness is really hard when they don't care whether or not you forgive them. But it doesn't change the fact that God says he forgives you, so he expects you to forgive others. You see, God wants to work through our lives. He loves us, so he wants us to love others. He gives to us, so he wants us to give to others. You see, every time he's pouring into us, as believers, as followers... He's expecting us to then let that flow through us and, then, and really work on others. And so it doesn't stop with love. It doesn't stop with giving. It, it even includes forgiveness. When God forgives you, that power, that grace, he expects to flow through you so that you can forgive others. As I've been praying about forgiveness and, and praying about how to teach it. Um, because honestly, like reading some of those verses, they seem just really intense to me. You know, and then they bring up certain theological questions with some. Well, what does that mean? If I don't forgive, like, oh, I'm going to lose my salvation. And it brings up all that. And the thought that just kept coming to mind is that forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. When we, and this, I'm going to just recap here, but when we remember what Jesus did for us, what we have been forgiven of, it becomes a lot easier to forgive others. I want us to be a church where we forgive others and then we have this kind of atmosphere where no matter who walks in, how bad we might think they are, they are welcomed here because God has grace for them, and we as believers want to love them. So no matter who comes into this church, comes into our community groups, no matter what is done, if we hurt each other, if we sin against each other as a church, we're going to step up, we're going to remember that we're sinners too, and we're going to forgive each other. Amen? Where are you, Jay?
Okay, Jay is going to come up and lead us through communion today. Um, as you think of communion, it's a time of repentance. You can come on up, Jay. Uh, it's a time of remembrance of what Christ has done for us. It's a time of remembrance to remember that he laid his own life down so that you could be forgiven. But it also should be a moment where we come before him and we ask for forgiveness and then forgive those who have wronged us. So let it be a moment where we truly forgive those. If there's someone you have not forgiven, this is a moment to pray about that and to forgive. If, uh, if you have your Bible, just open up to Luke uh, 22. Real quick, we're going to read verses 19 through 20. Start now. It says, and he, this is Jesus, he took the bread when he had given thanks, and he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus is saying, this is my body. Take this in remembrance of my sacrifice. And secondly, he's saying, this is my blood. This is a new covenant. This is, this is the ultimate sacrifice. This is the ultimate life. This is the ultimate victory. And so, therefore, when we take this uh, bread and we take this, you know, grape juice, it's not just a, you know, a unsalted cracker and some grape juice. This is us living out our lives with Christ as the apex of our lives, with his sacrifice as a thing that springs us into forward momentum, forward movement in our faith walk. And so reflect on that. It's all about a sacrifice. We can move forward in victory. Pray to God that he would forgive you and that you would forgive others to, to work on that to exercise that, and you will be walking in obedience and faith. And so I'm going to pray, and then the tables are open to come up on your own time, um, in your own time and reflection as we sing these last few songs. But just get real with God and, and ask for his, his presence in your life today. Father, thank you for everyone who's come into this room. Thank you for your message, God, your gospel of forgiveness, God. Help us forgive. Help us to understand what it means that you forgive us every single day and that you've taken our sin, Lord, and that you've cast it out, Lord. Thank you for your grace that is so abundant in our lives and just help that flow into our lives so much so that we are overfilling with an abundance of grace and forgiveness for all those around us. Speak to the tender hearts in this room who are struggling with the pain of the past and those who have hurt them and motivate us, God, to walk in victory, God. If anyone is struggling with something today, may they ask for prayer from a friend. May they ask for forgiveness from you so we can move forward, God. Thank you for everything you're doing here at Austin Chapel. Amen.